Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 67 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Hebrews chapter 5 today, and our focus is on Jesus as the begotten Son of God. So it's a daily 10-minute podcast, give or take a couple of minutes, where we dig into the truth of God's Word one chapter at a time. want to welcome new listeners in Para, Brazil, Lima, Peru, Kerala, India, Rajasthan, India, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Roanoke, Virginia. Thank you all for listening. I want to point you to our website, Bible2021.com, and encourage you to share the show with friends and or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Begotten. Now, what do you think of when I say that word? It's really old-fashioned. It's not a word that is used very frequently in modern English, and it's becoming quite rare in modern versions of the Bible as well. And yet, Jesus is God's only begotten Son, says John 3.16. And that's a very, very important theological truth that's worthy of our attention today. Consider Hebrews 5.5 in the CSB, our chapter today. Verse 5 says, In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God who said to him, You are my Son, Today I have become your father. Well, you don't see the word begotten in there, but the Hebrew word for it is in there. And we see that in the ESV, English Standard Version translation of Hebrews 5.5, which says, So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Now, in both of those passages, the standard Greek word, genao, is used. It's a frequently used word in the Bible, very common, uh, and especially you'll see it in the genealogies. Like, for instance, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, etc. That's the Greek word, genao. It usually refers to a male fathering or having a child. We also see the word used in Matthew one twenty, where it says, After he had considered these things, Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been genao, or conceived in her, is from the Holy Spirit. Now, more famously, our word begotten appears in a slightly different form in John 3.16, where the King James Version very famously translates, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, the word that the translators of the KJV are using there is the Greek word monogenes, and it's a combination of the Greek word for one and the Greek word genao, to conceive or bear. It's a heavily loaded and important theological word. Again, mono means only. And this this is telling us that Jesus is God's one and only son, but it's something much deeper than that. Some modern translations of John 3.16 kind of smooth out this passage so much that we might actually miss what is really an important truth. The ESV, for instance, which is a tremendously good translation. I have a tiny little quibble here. It translates John 3.16 as saying, God gave his only son, which kind of seems to minimize that important Greek word, monogenes, a little bit too much. Well, let's read our passage and then discuss how Jesus is God's one and only son with a bit more depth. 
Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for the people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he is also clothed with weakness. Because of this, he must make an offering for his own sins as well as for the people. No one takes this honor on himself. Instead, a person is called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. And also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life, Jesus offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was the son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and he was declared by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you've become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. So... What does it mean, again, that God has begotten Jesus? And more so, what does it mean that Jesus is God's only begotten son? Does this mean that Jesus first came into existence when he was born of Mary and that God was like his literal father somehow? No, it doesn't. Jesus did not come into being somewhere around 2,000 years ago. He's much older than that. Does it mean that Jesus was created by God at some point? Again, That's not what is referenced here. We believe the Bible teaches that Jesus is eternal, just like God and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is eternal, uncreated. Though some cults and false groups have used John 3.16 and Hebrews 5 to make claims that Jesus was created by God at some point. Let's turn to our friends at gotquestions.org to better understand how Jesus is God's only begotten Son. They say, false teachers have latched onto the phrase, only begotten, to try to prove their false teaching that Jesus Christ isn't God, i.e. that Jesus isn't equal in essence to God as the second person of the Trinity. They see the word begotten and say that Jesus is a created being because only someone who had a beginning in time can be begotten. What this fails to note is that begotten is an English translation of a Greek word, and as such, we have to look at the original meaning of the Greek word, not transfer English meanings into the text. So what does the Greek word monogenes mean? According to the Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament and other early Christian literature, monogenes has two primary definitions. The first definition is pertaining to being the only one of its kind within a specific relationship. This is the word's meaning in Hebrews eleven seventeen when the writer refers to Isaac as Abraham's only begotten son. Abraham did have more than one son, but Isaac was the only son he had by his wife Sarah and the only son of the covenant. Therefore, it is the uniqueness of Isaac among the other sons that allows for the use of monogenes in that context. The second definition is pertaining to being the only one of its kind or class, unique in kind. 
This is the meaning that's implied in John 3.16 and John 1.14 and 18 and 3.18 and 1 John 4.9. John was primarily concerned with demonstrating that Jesus is the Son of God, and he used monogenes to highlight Jesus as uniquely God's Son, sharing the same divine nature as God, as opposed to believers who are also God's sons and daughters by adoption, according to passages like Ephesians 1.5. Jesus is God's one and only Son. The bottom line is that terms such as Father and Son, descriptive of God and Jesus, are human terms that help us understand the relationship between the different persons of the Trinity. If you can understand the relationship between a human father and a human son, then you can understand in part the relationship between the first and second persons of the Trinity. The analogy, though, breaks down if you try to take it too far and teach, as some pseudo-Christian cults like the Jehovah's Witnesses do, that Jesus was literally and humanly begotten, as in produced or created by God Father. So we know that Jesus did not come into existence when he was born of Mary because of various clear teachings in the Bible including one he said himself in John chapter 8, verses 57 and 58. The Jews replied to Jesus, you aren't 50 years old yet, and yet you've seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say I was. He didn't say I'm older than Abraham. He said he is. Before Abraham was, I am. He said in the present tense, which is a translation of God's name, Yahweh. Jesus was there making himself equal to God. In a, in a, but, but in very much particular, he was saying that he was God. He has been. Not that he was created before Abraham, but he has always been. I am. That is the present tense. Jesus has always been. He always is. I know that's difficult to wrap our minds around an infinite being without a beginning or an end, but that is what the Bible teaches us about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We might see it even more clearly in John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, again, apart from Jesus, not one thing was created that has been created. Was Jesus created? No. Everything was created by him and through him and for him, but he himself was not created. The word says not one thing was created that has been created. Jesus is uncreated God eternal the only begotten Son of his Father. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and he was God in the beginning. Mind-blowing, I know. He has created everything, and all things were created through him. Well, put that in your proverbial pipe and smoke on it for a little bit, and we will end our show with March's Bible verse of the month, Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Amen and amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.